Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Summer Crew. I'm Dylan Allen with Christian Vasquez and Doug Willig will join us shortly. We've had some uh, some NBA action over the weekend, some some big wins, some big losses, especially for my New York Knicks. They fall 3-1 to one in the series against the Atlanta Hawks. Not a good way to start that series, Christian. Um, they play tomorrow night, but let's... Well, I guess we'll start with the action that's going on tonight, more specifically. First game is Boston at Brooklyn. That series is 3-1 to one in favor of Brooklyn, and they open tonight as 12.5-point favorites. Christian, give me some of your thoughts about that matchup. Oh, yeah, so, you know, the Nets are just that big three. Can't stop that. Right now, Kyrie's playing out of his mind. Obviously, he's the leading scorer on the team overall for the year, 26.9 points per game, 50% field goal percentage, 92.2% free throw percentage. Are we MVP numbers? You know, a lot of people might think otherwise, but at home, they're 28 and 8. This series is at home now. Boston played them real well over in Boston. You know, we had the fan issue going about during that. It is the final game possibly at home for Brooklyn. So I think it's going to be a big game to see how Brooklyn comes out at home. So far they've been dominant at home and the Celtics only got those close games. You know, that one game that they won Tatum at 50. So yeah, Tatum yeah, with 50 did it for us. Oh, go ahead, Doug. You can go. Go ahead. Yeah. What's up guys. Yeah. Having some audio issues there, my fault, but I think I should be good. You know, excited to be on the show, Christian and Dylan. And, yeah, uh, you know, I can gather you guys are talking about the net game. I heard the end of Christian's comments there. And, yeah, you know, tonight, 7.30, I think the Nets, you know, they're back in Brooklyn for a game five. They should be able to close the series out. I'm biased as a Nets fan, definitely. But, you know, barring, you know, Tatum's 50-point explosion, as Christian just mentioned, you know, obviously Marcus Smart is a good piece there. And, and the team is, it has played well. But the Nets just have too much firepower with their big three they don't, even if Kyrie, you know, Kyrie had an off game one game, but it doesn't really matter. Just there's just too much firepower there. Even Jill Harris went off for a little bit. Like, this team is going to make it out of the first round. If they lose tonight, you know, I'll be surprised, but I, I think they should be good. I think they pull the series out in five. I don't think they want to go back to Boston for a game six. Yeah, and I think the big thing that Christian brought up too was that. The only win that Boston has, Tatum had to put up 50 points. Um, and I, I don't see that happening again. As as lethal as Tatum is offensively, I really just do not see him putting up 50 points yet again. And even if he does, Brooklyn on, on home court with their big three, pretty much putting up 100 points between the three of them every given night in this series so far, uh, I don't think it'll be enough uh, for Boston because if Kemba Walker and Robert Williams do not play, um, you know, it's it, Robert Williams brings you that defensive energy that you need. He's their best defensive player, and Kemba Walker. You know, he he has struggled this season, but he's definitely somebody you want out there on the floor during the postseason. Um, so, I just think that it's going to be too much for Boston overall. I don't think Jason puts up fifty points again, uh, and I think the supporting cast also doesn't really help him out as much either because 
in that one win, yes, Tatum dropped 50 points, but you also have to look at his teammates too. I mean, in 30 minutes of play, Tristan Thompson had nearly 20 points and 13 rebounds. Tristan Thompson is not known for putting up 20 points per game. In fact, he averaged, you know, seven and a half points per game on the season. So the fact that they gave up 20 points to him and they only lost that game by six just tells me personally that, you know, Brooklyn, even giving up 50 to Tatum, can win, can beat Boston pretty easily. Uh, and, and considering in that game, too, Irving had only 16 points and shot six of 17 overall, I think Brooklyn comes away with this one tonight. Yes, it seems like all three of us think Brooklyn is going to win. Good to see, you know, assuming they make it out of the first round. It hasn't happened yet. I don't think Boston comes back in 3-1. Obviously, it's not impossible, but the chances are slim, very slim. So, assuming Brooklyn, it'll be nice to see Brooklyn advance. You know, the Knicks, it's looking rough for them. They're down 3-1 versus Atlanta. I know a lot of this, you know, I'm pretty sure that the Knicks have you know, a larger fan base in the Nets. You know, there's a lot of factors that indicate that. You know, they sold out both their games at MSG real quick while the Nets had to decrease ticket prices. And, yeah, so I feel like the Nets, even if it's a smaller fan base, you know, I'm still happy to be a part of it. And I'm just hoping that they can make it far. It would be nice to have a local team have success. I mean, I know in New York, you know, New York, New Jersey area, we have a lot of teams. And, you know, we have seen some success. Not necessarily over the last couple years, but you know, even within our lifetimes, the Giants have won a couple Super Bowls. Uh, the Yankees obviously have won a World Series in 09. So the Mets made the World Series even in, I think, 15, maybe 16. You guys are bigger baseball heads, so I think you'd know that. But yeah, we've seen some success in New York, and hopefully the Nets can contribute to that. And hopefully add a title this year, I think they are the favorites. I mean, you could argue the Lakers maybe once Anthony Davis comes back from this injury. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Obviously, you got to look at this one game at a time. But hopefully, they can advance to round two. Milwaukee is a tough matchup. Giannis, obviously, MVP. Uh, not even MVP-level player. Just an MVP player has won it the last two years. But that, that'll be a tough matchup even so for Milwaukee. But, yeah, still just so much going on with the NBA playoffs. Lots of games going on. It's just a really, really exciting time to be a basketball fan. Yeah, and another thing too, Doug, as I look into this matchup tonight between Boston and Brooklyn, um, it, it it's kind of crazy too that I I did not expect Boston to win a game in this series. Honestly, I didn't think that they could do it, especially without Jalen Brown. Um, so definitely a surprise there. And and I, your opinions, guys. I want to hear pretty quickly your opinions about the uh, the whole Kyrie Irving with the with the fans with the water bottle throwing at him because that happened in the last game at Boston. Yeah. There, uh, you know, what are your guys' opinions on that? The, it's just crazy, to be honest. Out of the whole fan situation from these probably like the past week, honestly, are you seeing MSG people getting banned with the people who throwing popcorn on Russell Westbrook? I just don't understand it. That you just get you're doing one thing to get some get some attention on TV. Then you're banned from life. And the guy the other day throws a water bottle at Kyrie. And now he's charged with assault and battery. So they, why are you doing that just to get a little moment of sunshine in your day? I, I can't understand it. We finally get fans back and now all this craziness is coming out. Yeah. 
it's a lot going on. Um, so obviously, I think there's five main incidents that people have been discussing. In like the past week. Right, yeah. Within the past within the past week, it's been Russell Westbrook, like you said, had the popcorn uh, poured on him. Trey Young was spit on in New York. John Moran's parents had, uh, you know, curse words and other things said to them. Uh, Kyrie had the bottle thrown at him. And then yesterday, a fan ran onto the court after yeah, his Sixers game. Right, got tackled by security. So it's it's interesting, you know. You could look at it in different this in different ways. You could say, you know, each incident is just isolated. It's just one person that only represents, you know, their actions, and not everyone else's actions. So you know, they're the only person that can be held responsible. But at the same time, because this is getting so much media coverage, it's receiving so much attention. It's been discussed a lot. There's been a lot of coverage. People discussing this on social media. Players have been getting upset getting out or you know they get asked a lot of questions about it at the press conference i think that might lead to repeat attacks because now that this is such a uh discussed issue uh you know everywhere more people you know someone might just be looking for attention you know someone that doesn't really care about sports they might run onto the court you know just to try to make a headline try to get on tv for a little bit like you said christian you know they're just trying to get attention and i don't know i don't know how i feel i mean i know that I feel that this stuff is bad, and I think that everyone agrees. Everyone agrees with that. But I don't know. I also don't know kind of how you stop it because these are individual nutcases, right? Like these people are idiots. They're just trying to look to do bad things. But how do you know someone's going to do that until they actually do it? Until they throw yeah, the water bottle or, or throw the popcorn, right? Yeah, you don't know. So I don't know how you stop this in the future. But just considering how this keeps happening, I like will not. I would not be surprised if something else happens. If someone else throws an every if, every yeah. like triple of the there's like three games tonight, I wouldn't be surprised if something happens at one of them. Yeah, it, it's rough. Maybe but... up security on the floor. I don't know. After the game, those are kind of hard. Yeah, it's hard but, like, even... with the tackling. I don't uh, with the guy running onto the court. Maybe you add more security, but stuff yes. like Kyrie getting a bottle thrown at him or popcorn dropped him, you can't really do anything about that. To be honest, yeah, that guy he, launched he's... the bottle from like ten rows up and right. hit him I mean... somehow. You can't stop selling food. I mean, you still got to, you know, sell sell food, you sell water, you sell drinks. And when people have that in the crowd, you, you don't know what's going to happen. If someone, you know, gets drunk or even if they're not drunk and they just decide, you know what, I'm going to make a bad decision. I don't, I don't know how you stop that. I hope that people are smart. And I think the vast majority of people are smart. I mean, there are tens of thousands, you know, each. I know arenas are not at full capacity, but they're nearing full capacity. So you have over 10,000 people. At these games, some games, you know, got like 20,000 people. And if every single one of them behaves well, and then you have one person who does something bad, you know, that'll control the headlines. And that also puts the players in danger. So hopefully it stops. But at the same time, unruly fan behavior has been going on since before we were born. It's been going on forever. And yeah, it, it's become at the forefront now. But hopefully these this current set of issues can stop. I could just get back to enjoying the NBA playoffs. Yeah, and, and another thing too is, guys, you know, the the punishment that's been used to kind of combat this is, you know, banning the fans from the arenas. You know, obviously with the one that just happened with Kyrie, he's being charged with assault and battery. Um, but you know, for the guy running onto the court who was tackled by security, he he didn't do anything to the players. He just you know stopped the uh, stopped the play. So he'll most likely face some kind of a ban. Uh, whether that'll be a permanent ban or some kind of you know suspension from attending games at that arena, but it, it that punishment doesn't seem to be doing the trick either, because 
like you guys pointed out, it, it's happened, you know, four or five times over the past week in all different games. And people throwing the permanently banned kind of punishment at you really isn't, you know, stopping these fans from, from kind of running onto the court and throwing stuff at players, you know, spitting racial slurs to parents, whatever the case is, it's not really stopping them. So it, it's kind of tricky because you're right, Doug, they can't just stop selling concessions because that's a big part of their, their sales as a team. And so, you know, you look at this and you say, you know, how can you, how can you stop, you know, fans from interfering with the game and, and throwing stuff at players at the post game uh, and stuff like that? And, and I don't really know. I mean, the only thing I can think of personally is some kind of barrier between the fans and the benches behind the players. But at the same time, it's basketball. You know, it's it's one of the sports where you need a good view. It's you know, and it's if you're very if you're behind that glass, again, expensive tickets down there kind of just defeats the purpose of it. So you can't even do that. But that's like one of the only things I can think of. Some kind of like protective boundary behind the, you know, the bench yeah, so maybe. they can't throw anything at them. But, you know, at the same time, it just ruins the view. Yeah, definitely. I think that, uh, you know, even if you put a barrier up by the by the bench or if you put it up by the tunnel, I think those things, you know, they kind of they exist now. I, I mean, not exactly. I, you raise a fair point, but if it was a clear glass, I don't know. I don't know what, like, every arena is designed so differently that each, you know, each arena, each venue would have to do something different. And I'm sure, or I'm not sure, but I hope that uh, people working at those venues and the management staff there, you know, are thinking of ways to protect players. And, you know, this is obviously, it's kind of weird because, like, this is an issue that everyone's talking about now, but this might be something that venues are kind of just thinking about all the time. You know, by, there's areas by the tunnel, by the bench, you know, they, they always have to be cognizant of different security concerns. And it's just kind of now in this current news and media cycle, now it's getting attention from everyone, not just the people, you know, security and management staffs that work on this all the time. It, it, it's an interesting situation. And I think that the players are definitely right to be upset. And I think, you know, all of us agree this is a sticky situation because most, most fans are well-behaved, and that one nuthead that decides they're going to do something bad, you know, you don't know that he's going to do that bad thing when he buys the ticket or when she buys the ticket. You don't know that that person's going to be the one that decides to, you know, throw the water bottle. You don't know. You can't can't predict this. So what's unfortunate, and I would just, you know, I would call on people, anyone listening right now, just, you know, make sure you don't do anything dumb. But I think that the people that, do dumb stuff they're probably just going to do it anyway they they hear all this about how we have to protect the players and people just go and do dumb stuff i hope nothing bad, bad happens again and i hope you know the players stay safe i hope fans stay safe because the you know this should be a fun environment well i think that you you guys brought up some good points about that subject and about the the boston nets series as a whole uh the next game tonight is at nine o'clock. It's the Portland Trailblazers, excuse me, at the Denver Nuggets. That series is tied at two apiece. Uh, so tonight will be Game Five. It'll be in Denver, and Denver opens up as two-point favorites. Uh, Damian Lillard has been electric in this series, guys, and so has Nikola Jokic. How do you guys see Game Five playing out? So far, these games have been really, really close. I'd say the, the last one was kind of a blowout. In favor of, in favor of the Trailblazers, 
But with no injured players for Portland, I think Portland takes another one. I I would think so because just the way that they played in the last game, I think it's going to be very hard. Jokic still playing, you know, MVP caliber way that he has been, and it just seems like Portland has the momentum to to you know go ahead in this series through two. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point, Christian, and I am excited for this matchup. I feel like the series can kind of go either way. Some of these series have been a little more lopsided. I mean, Sixers-Wizards, I know that the Wizards just pulled one out, but I think the Sixers should win that easily. Uh, so, I mean, I know Embiid is hurt, but some of these series have been lopsided, and some of them have been more evenly matched, and it's really pretty clear that this Portland-Denver series is an evenly matched series. Obviously, Nikola Jokic is likely going to win MVP. He was one of the three candidates along with Embiid and Curry, or three finalists, I should say. And then, of course, you have Damian Lillard, who is just a lethal shooter with range, you know, to maybe like 30-plus you know, 30 feet. Uh, you know, we've seen him take shots a couple from the logo, hence the nickname Logo Lillard. So, yeah, he is insane. I mean, we know he's one of the – just such a great three-point shooter. And that's why this matchup is interesting, because there's other great players. In addition to the stars, CJ McCollum, of course, on Portland, Carmelo Anthony having a little resurgence to his career. Then over on Denver, you have Michael Porter Jr. really making the leap. Um, yeah, so it's two interesting casts going against each other. If I pull up ESPN's BPI, Denver is a slight favorite, 53.7%. And then along with the betting line, Denver's a two-point um favorite there and the series is tied to two and i just i i feel like this could go either way i i don't even like have a pick i just i mean the game is in denver so you could go with the home home court advantage situation but i just feel that the team you know this is an exciting series this is what you like in the playoffs and yeah my pick would have to be if i had to pick a team i'd pick denver just because they're at home and I feel that, you know, they're the slightly better team. You know, it's a 9 p.m. game on on um, NBA TV. If I had to pick one, I'd pick Denver. But I feel like this could go either way. Yeah, you know, I, I Doug, myself, I look at this matchup and I it's like a it's like a coin a coin flip for me, in a sense, because both teams are just great. The series has been back and forth. It is tied at two apiece. But the thing for me is Portland was able to win 115-95. They were able to beat him by 20 points. And that was with Damian Lillard having 10 points on the night. Seven of those points coming from the free throw line. He was one of 10 overall and one of six from three-point range. CJ McCollum was nine of 19 from the floor, two of six from three. He shot one free throw and made it. He had 21 points. And Norman Powell was 11 of 15 overall, 4 of 4 shooting from 3, and he made 3 free throws and finished the night with 29 points and Carmelo off the bench with 12 points. The thing for me, Doug, is I I think that Jokic will have a bounce-back game because last game he, he only had 16 points, uh, and the team overall shot 34% from the floor, 29.5% from three. They just had an off night from the floor overall as a squad. I think they'll come back, especially being at home. I don't think we'll see the performance that we saw in game four. 
But what I do think will happen is I do think Damian Lillard will go back to the way he was playing in the first three games. Because in the first three games, he was putting up 40 points every night, whether they won or lost. And, you know, the one game that he didn't do great at all, only 10 points, Norman Powell stepped up and, and put up 30 points. And they were able to beat him by 20. I think Portland wins this game. I know it's on the road, but I just think that with Damian Lillard there, I expect him to shoot better than what he did in Game 4. I think he'll do much better in Game 4. Uh, in Game 5, excuse me. I think C.J. McCollum also playing. I think he shot pretty decent last game. I think he'll continue that. And, you know, I think Norman Powell coming off this hot game that he had from 3, I think he'll provide some great offensive minutes for them as well. And Carmelo does his thing off the bench. And I just think they'll be able to win the game just because of Damian Lillard coming back to the way he's been playing in this series, and I think Jokic will have a good night. I think he'll put up at least 25 points and 10 rebounds, Um, but I just think that Damian Lillard going back to form and then not having um, Jamal Murray either. I know they haven't had him the whole series, but that's definitely a big loss, and sometimes, you know, in close games, when you don't have a guy like that to give the ball to, it's kind of hard to find that guy. I mean, you got Compazzo, who I, I don't even know his first name, Facundo Campazzo, he he's a he's 30 years old. He's a rookie, and he's averaging six points a game, two rebounds, and three and a half assists on the year. And he's playing, you know, the same amount of minutes as Nikola Jokic in a playoff game. So when you have players like that coming in and only shooting three of ten overall, giving you 12 points, four of it coming from the line, yeah, I, I think it's just too hard for Denver overall to overcome that loss of Murray, who hasn't been in the series. Um, and I think Damian Lillard will come back to form. Yeah, that's that's great analysis there. And I have watched Compazzo. I I've watched the Nuggets a little bit during the regular season. I, I catched a few other games. I did like Compazzo. Like I know he's obviously not an elite player or anything, but he was always playing with a lot of energy. And I'm not saying like he's he's great or anything, but I think he's quite short. I think he's like six foot or maybe like five eleven. Let's see. Yeah, he's 5'10", 195. 5'10". Word, so that's that's very short, actually. He might be one of like the, the shortest players in the NBA now. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I know Isaiah Thomas is 5'9". I think Tyler Eulis was 5'9". But I'm not sure if either of them are in the league anymore. So he might be the shortest current player. And, yeah, that's not really... Uh, that's just like a little interesting tidbit. I think Taco Fall might be the tallest, if not maybe Boban. Uh, that being said, that's a little off topic. Going back to the Nuggets Blazers game, I still feel that, you know, either team has a legitimate shot to win this series. Uh, it's just like one of those matchups where one of those great, exciting first round matchups. I feel like Net Celtics is not really like that. Sixers Wizards, it's not really like that. Like most of the series, or not most, but some of these series are, are kind of lopsided. Other let. Other series are close, and I didn't really expect them to be close. Clippers-Mavs is a good example. I thought the Clippers were going to run away with that one. They ended up dropping the first two before tying it up at 2-2. But Blazers-Nuggets, this is one that before it even started, I thought, you know what, this is probably going to be close. These are two evenly matched teams. And that's what we've got so far. I hope it goes seven, just because I don't have a strong rooting interest. So if, like... If whoever wins game uh, five tonight, I hope the other team wins game six just so we can get a game seven because those are great. Those are fun to watch. But whatever happens, I don't dislike either of these teams. I think they're both quite likable. 
So whoever moves on to round two, I'd be okay with. Yeah, and, and you know, if you're Portland too, this is probably a, a big must-win game for you on the road because if you drop this game, you know, you go down three games to two, and then you go back home. Let's say you win that game, but then you got to go back to Denver to win the game seven. So essentially, you got to close out the series winning two in a row. So, you know, this is a this is a really big game for Portland, which is why I think Damian Lillard's going to step up because he he I feel like he like really comes to play when the games matter, and he just comes out and he shows. You know, he just he just you know if you remember last year or maybe it was two years ago, I forget now, but that that series against the Thunder, you know, when they still had Russell Westbrook and Paul George. I don't think anyone thought that that game was going to go five games. I think everyone had it going like maybe six or seven just because, you know, the Thunder had Paul George and Russell Westbrook and they, you know, they were a good team all season. But when the se- when the playoffs came along, Damian Lillard was just night in and night out was just balling. And then come the game five, he hits pretty much the logo shot to win the game after just a great night and that one sending the Thunder packing. So I, I just think that it's, when when it's the big moment, the big stage, I think that's when Damian Lillard comes into play. Now, with that being said, in past years they haven't done too well. You know, they haven't gotten to a to the finals yet. They have been to the conference finals, but you know, you look at the rest of the Western teams. In past years, it's been the Warriors with the with the pretty much the big three with Durant, Thompson, and Curry. I mean, no one's really going to go through that team. I mean, LeBron could barely he didn't even beat the big three. So if LeBron couldn't do it, you know, it's going to be very difficult for Damian Lillard to do it. But given that, it's, you know, you can't look at the past and say, you know, well, you know, Portland hasn't been far in the playoffs before. You got to look at the teams that they've had to go up against. So I think with Denver, and did they not play each other two years ago as well, these two teams in a playoff series? Maybe. They did. They they played in 2019, uh, Denver and Portland. And and that one went seven, and I think Portland won. So I I, this game, I, I see it going seven. Uh, so I, I think, you know, if Portland loses tonight, I have them winning the next game. If they, if they win tonight, I have them losing the next game. I have this series going seven. Both these teams are just crazy talented. It's one of the most, one of the more interesting, or I should say entertaining playoff series to watch this year. Um, which brings me to the next series, guys, Los Angeles Lakers at the Phoenix Suns. I mean, what a series as well. That series is tied up at two apiece. The game That's tonight, surprising. Yeah, the game tonight tip, tipping off at 10 p.m. Eastern. It's in Phoenix, Arizona. Like I said, it's tied up at two apiece. And I believe Anthony Davis... Uh, shouldn't. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not playing. I don't think I he's going to they're play. Extremely not, they're not optimistic about it. I, don't, I think they're going to let him sit. And I also saw that Candavius Caldwell-Pope... Will uh, is expected to be in the lineup tonight. Expected oh, okay. So no Anthony Davis, but can, but KCP will be in there for the Lakers. Um, guys, give me your thoughts. I mean, it's Game Five. Chris Paul's back. Devin Booker's still there. Like there's there DeAndre Ayton's cooking. It's just going to be LeBron tonight and Dennis Schroeder pretty much, uh, and Andre Drummond. So what do you guys think is going to happen tonight? Games in Phoenix. Yeah, so it's obviously big that Anthony Davis is not playing because we know he is that great number two there. And in that title run last year, he was incredible in the finals. We know how good he can be. Even if he had a little bit of a decrease in numbers this regular season, I think he only averaged maybe 21 a game. But 
he is so important to that team. That being said, I would not bet against the Lakers still. Just LeBron is so good, and everyone knows that. So even if AD is out, I feel LeBron in and of himself, like whoever his teammates are, you can give him a team of just all G League and college players, and he could probably – all right, maybe not college players, but just give him a team of, like, anyone, and he'll (laughs) probably be able to beat the Suns. I just – I'd be surprised – okay, let's say Anthony Davis is out the rest of this series. Like, he doesn't play a game again this series. I still think the Lakers win it. I think they win it in six, to be honest with you. Really? They just – I think they could win the next two. Even with Anthony Davis out? For this game, at least. And Phoenix at home. Yeah, I still would pick the Lakers. I think LeBron goes nuclear, you know, gets a 40-point triple-double, does whatever he needs to do. And and maybe that seems bold. I I know you guys have a little surprise, but, like, I don't know. I just – I couldn't – I can't bet against LeBron James. I mean, we know how good he is, right? Do we think that Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden – are able to lead a team to beat uh, LeBron? Do, do, do we think that could happen? Well, I'll let... They've done it twice. Yeah, I mean, listen, Doug, the thing for me, too, you know, it's hard to bet against LeBron as well. I mean, it's kind of like betting against Tom Brady. The difference here being his second-best player, his second-best teammate is out for this game tonight. And outside of that, they really don't have much supporting cast. I mean, I'm just looking at last game where Phoenix won 192 in Los Angeles, um, Anthony Davis played 19 minutes. I He got hurt, but he shot two of nine in the game before getting hurt. He was 0 for 3 from 3. He had six points. LeBron went 10 of 21 from the floor, 1 of 7 from 3. He finished with 25 points and 12 rebounds in 38 minutes. And then you have Andre Drummond, you know, 20 minutes he played, and he only had, you know, five points. He had 10 rebounds, but five points. Then Dennis Schroeder, he shot 3 of 13, had 8 points. Wesley Matthews got the start. He had 6 points. And, you know, Kuzma and Gasol off the bench each had 11 and 12. And Caruso had 10. So the thing here is without Anthony Davis, there's not much else to go to in terms of a supporting cast. I mean, I'm looking at Phoenix right now. Their whole starting lineup was in double digits last game. Jay Crowder, 17. Miles Bridges, or uh, not Miles Bridges, excuse me, McCall, Brid- McCall Bridges, 11. DeAndre Ayton, 14, who also had 17 rebounds. Chris Paul, 18 points, 9 assists. And Devin Booker, 17 points, 5 assists. And he did shoot 5 of 14, so he was off in this game. And they had Payne coming off the bench with 13. So without Anthony Davis, Doug, I agree 100%. It's hard to bet against the Lakers just because of his factor down there. But without him, I mean... The Suns, in my opinion, have the better team, like overall in terms of depth. You can argue that LeBron is, you know, the one of a kind player that makes them that much better, even with an overall better team going up against him. But I think Phoenix, without Anthony Davis, takes care of business tonight. And then, you know, come game six, that's a whole different story. If Anthony Davis is back, I, I would pick LeBron to win game six if AD is back. But tonight, I have Phoenix winning and taking care of business at home. Same here. I have Phoenix winning tonight. AD injury, really, that does not help the Lakers whatsoever. The defensive presence of AD just in the paint is, let alone if he has a bad game, that presence there just makes it all the difference. And they had them for that first half in that game. And then the second half, you saw that 
the sun just came out, shoot, shot well towards the end of the game, and you know ended up winning. And with the leadership of Chris Paul, I think that young team can just rally around him. I think they take this next game. The Lakers have to hope that AD can play in the next game when they're when they're when they get him back. So that's that's what's really going to make the rest of the series how bad this injury is. And for AD, it sucks because it seems like he's injured every other day with something different. Welcome back to the Tuesday Crew. I am Dylan Allen along with Christian Vasquez and Doug Willig. Guys, we talked about some NBA action, the three games going on tonight. Boston, Brooklyn, Portland, Denver, and the Lakers' Suns, but it's time for Locks of the Week. And I am going to go first because I have a feeling one of you two has this one, and I don't want to be sitting here looking for a new one. So I'm just going to take it right now. I'm going to go Brooklyn Nets money line tonight. I mean, I I don't think I really have to explain the pick, but I will. Uh, no Rob Williams. No Jalen Brown. The whole series, he hasn't been there. No Kemba tonight. And it's just Jalen Brown and a couple guys against James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. So... You know, I, 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 it's they were lucky enough to be able to win one, one of these games, uh, and I don't think it'll happen tonight. I think Brooklyn takes care of business tonight at the Barclays Center at seven thirty Eastern. So I'm gonna go with the Nets money line here. So it is minus a thousand though, so you won't make too much money off of it unless you lay a lot of money on this. But it is definitely a lock for sure. What do you guys have for me? Yeah, so I, I was going to do a Nets-Celtics lock as well, but then you hopped in, and that was probably smart of you because you knew both me and Christian wanted to do that too. So I'm going to shift it over just to the other NBA game, and then if Christian wants to round it out with the third one, he could do that. But, yeah, Portland-Denver is where I'm going to go. Denver is minus two, and they're at home, so I'm going to have them covering. And, yeah, I mean, Denver is... We know what Denver is. We know that Nikola Jokic is, he can drop 27, 10, and 10 like it's nothing and on efficient shooting. We we know that he's a great player. We know that just, we know the Denver team has so many guys that can contribute, that could help them win the series. You know, I touched on Michael Porter Jr. Um, earlier and how, how well he's played. Uh, Will Barden, the small forward, is out. But I still think that um, I still think Denver can win this one handily. They'll be at home. Maybe they'll carry it out and win in six in Portland, or maybe I'll be completely wrong. But that would be my lock: Denver with the minus two. Yeah, but I'll go with the next one. I I'm picking the Suns in this game. They're favored by four and a half at home. No AD for the Lakers. Last game, you could see the defense was getting to the Lakers towards the end of the game that the Suns were playing, you know, coach of the year, probably probable coach of the year, uh, Monty Williams for Phoenix has this young squad with the, you know, with the leader of Chris Paul in this game, just rallying behind them. And I think they easily, they get this game done and they go up three to two, but going back to Staples Center next game. 
Yeah, I like the picks, guys. Um, Doug, since I I think Portland's going to win tonight, how much? How many points do you think Denver? You have them covering the minus two, but realistically, how many points do you see them winning tonight? Because when you look at the series, these games have been dis- one of the games was decided by I believe five points, and then the rest of them were pretty much blowouts. Um, like if I look back, game one. Uh, Portland won that one 123 to 109, and then the next one Denver won 128 to 109, and then Game Three was 120 to 115 in favor of Portland or excuse me Denver, and then the last game it was 115 95 Portland. So, you know, I, with that Doug, the minus two kind of like it's kind of risky in a sense because it it, it seems like these games have been kind of blowouts in a sense. I don't know what, what what's your take on that? Like, how many points do you think Denver's gonna win by tonight? Yeah, I maybe it's risky, and but I think Denver wins. I, I think they win by ten. I'll just say one twenty, one ten. I'm gonna say it's gonna be a close game, and they pull away in the fourth. Do I know that that's gonna happen? No. But do they have the slight edge because they're at home? Maybe. Will Portland win? Will you be right? I mean, maybe. It, it's tough. It's definitely tough. But oh, for sure. It's it's close and. It's still my lock, though, definitely. I, I'm confident in Jokic and the rest of the team. I I really want to see him succeed because I know he's probably going to win. Considering he's probably going to win MVP, I want to see, you know, an MVP-led team, you know, make it to the second or, or round or the conference finals. I don't want to hear people say, oh, he won MVP, and they, you know, they didn't even win anything in the first round. They just got knocked out. So I'm a little biased there, and that's why I'm a little maybe overconfident. But we'll see. We'll see. It should be. Even if I'm wrong, I, I, I'm hoping for an exciting game. Even if I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm gonna say it again. This this series is definitely one of the closer ones in the NBA. And you know, as a Knicks fan myself, I thought the Knicks Hawks series would be a little bit better than what we're seeing. Um, but Portland Denver has been the closest series in terms of like team skill on both ends. They've been the closest overall. It's why it's tied up at two apiece. Uh, and I think that the the Suns Lakers you can make an argument for, but with the injuries with with uh, Anthony Davis uh, and, and Chris Paul, it's kind of been lopsided for both teams in a sense, like both teams getting a win because of injuries. So we'll see with that one, but uh, definitely some good basketball action tonight. Can we t- can we just talk is next? And welcome back to the Tuesday edition of the Crew. I'm Dylan Allen alongside Doug Willig and Christian Vasquez. We talked about some NBA action going on tonight with Boston versus. Brooklyn in the Barclays Center at 7.30, Portland at Denver at 9 p.m., and the Lakers at Phoenix at 10 p.m. We did some locks of the week. I took the Nets money line. Christian took the Phoenix covering the four-and-a-half-point spread tonight against the Lakers with the Anthony Davis injury, and Doug took Denver minus two tonight against the Trailblazers. Guys, we're, we are back. Let's talk about some Rutgers athletics. Doug, you want to you wanna kick us off? It's the summer months now, so there's not as much going on with Rutgers athletics. Uh, you know, with the, with the WRSU Sports Department, you know, we obviously we broadcast all football games, all basketball games, all home baseball games, all home soccer games. We do the cross as well. So we're broadcasting a lot, but... Uh, now that's you know the soccer seasons have wrapped up, lacrosse wrapped up, uh, baseball wrapped up. It's it's kind of a quieter time. So I just want to kind of review how those fall seasons ended. Um, you know, Rutgers baseball 
normally in regular years there'd be a Big Ten tournament and then the NCAA tournament. This year there's no Big Ten tournament due to the um, you know, the rearranged schedule due to COVID nineteen. So there's no Big Ten baseball tournament, and Rutgers did not qualify for the NCAA tournament. So their season is over. Their final game was supposed to be this past Sunday. Ended up being on Saturday a doubleheader due to the rain. They played Illinois. Um, they lost the first game. I'm going to pull the score up quick. They lost 13-1 to their first game on Saturday. Then won the second one, 6-3. to Ended the season on a win. So even though they won't be in the NCAA tournament, still, you know, good to end the season with a W. Looking over to Rutgers lacrosse, they were playing against the Tar Heels in the NCAA tournament, top-ranked team in the country. And they did end up losing that one. But Rutgers lacrosse was... Not expected to make the um, they were not expected to make the NCAA tournament. So it was definitely exciting to see that happen. It was their first NCAA tournament berth since two thousand four. Their first, they got their first win in the tournament since nineteen ninety. But when they played UNC on May twenty second, they lost twelve to eleven in overtime, and thus Rutgers was not able to advance to the final four. So the baseball season ended this past Saturday. This Saturday before that, the men's lacrosse season ended. Uh, soccer has been over for a little bit as well. So we're at a little bit of a quiet period here in the summer for WRSU Sports. You know, we'll still be doing the crew Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. And then uh, football and basketball coverage will start up in the fall. But for now, spring sports seasons are over. And we're just going to kind of shift into these summer months with baseball and the NBA playoffs. It is a little, It is a little different. I mean, it's different than every summer. Last summer... There was just nothing. Last summer in spring, once COVID started and the NCAA ended spring sports, there was just kind of nothing going on at WRSU. We couldn't go into the studio for a few months. Summer before that, I wasn't a part of WRSU yet. Uh, but for the people that were, the studio was getting renovated. Uh, this is summer of 2019. So people couldn't go in the um, studio that summer as well. So this is really the first normal summer since uh, summer 2018. And at that point, uh, none of us, no one in the WRSU sports department was even a student at Rutgers yet. So it's just been a lot, a lot of shifting, a lot of different things going on. And this is sort of a normal summer, sort of kind of getting things back in the fall. um, When we have our normal WRSU programming, we'll be able to do football games with fans there. You know, last season, the Big Ten only did nine games. Um, you know, basketball, there'll be fans at the rack, you know, Trapezoid of Terror will actually be that Trapezoid of Terror and won't just be a quiet place where players are playing. You know, Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr. should be back, I think. Not sure because we know they declared for the draft, so we'll see what happens. Just, just, but just different things going on at, at Rutgers, Rutgers Sports. Uh, and we're excited to cover it for you. This has just been a bit of a monologue. We got just a talk segment here to talk about whatever, but uh, myself, Christian, Dylan, and... I think there's 14 of us in the WRSU sports department. We just kind of had some seniors graduate, um, Kior, Troy, and a couple other of uh, seniors just left the department. Raj left as well. So we had some people leave, Jake uh, Leone. So it's just a different department now, some different people heading into next year, but we'll still be excited to cover WRSU sports. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Christian, Dylan, we still have some time left here. Do you guys want to – you know, we can talk baseball. We can talk. We can talk pretty much everything. I'll, I'll let you know one of you guys. You guys can take over. Well, Doug, you brought up you brought up Rutgers football, and I know it's you know kickoff isn't until September second, six thirty p.m. against Temple. 
at SHI Stadium. But, you know, for Rutgers fans and for Rutgers students like us three, the, the future of this football team is something to talk about because the 2022 recruit, recruiting class for Rutgers this year, or for the 2022, excuse me, is ranked seventh overall in the nation, uh, and it's ranked third in the Big Ten. They have five four-star commits, and they have, I believe it is, eight or nine three-star commits in that class. And, you know, I, I just looked up this on two, 24-7 Sports. Gavin Wimsat, who and, and Jacob Allen who are the number one players in their states. Gavin Wimsat is the dual-threat quarterback from Kentucky, and Jacob Allen is the number one player in New Jersey's an offensive tackle from the Hun in Princeton. They are both top 10 all-time commits for Rutgers already, both of them. Um, and they also got a guy, Anthony Johnson, out of Philadelphia. He's a linebacker. He was fifth in the state. He's a four-star. They got Amarian Brown from Florida. And we all know how deep Florida recruiting gets there. He's a receiver. Uh, he's a four-star. And we got Samuel Brown, a four-star running back from Pennsylvania as well, the 11th best player in the state. And we also got some news today that four-star linebacker Moses Walker got a crystal ball to Rutgers today. doesn't mean that he's officially committed. That's not what that means. It just means that people on 24-7 sports who are pretty much professionals at predicting where high school athletes are going to go to college, um, they pretty much predict where they're going to go. So somebody gave him a crystal ball to Rutgers, which means that's their pick for where he's going to end up. Uh, and he's a linebacker out of Brooklyn, New York, Erasmus Halls, where he goes to school. He is the number one player in New York. Um, so if Rutgers can land Moses Walker for the 2022 football class, guys, they will have three players that are number one in their state from three different states. Wimsat from Kentucky, who is the quarterback. Jacob Allen from New Jersey, who's from Princeton. And now Moses Walker from from New York. If they, he's, if, they are, if they are able to land Moses Walker, that'll be the second four-star linebacker that they get in this class. So the Rutgers football team, guys, has a phenomenal future if these guys can pan out and really play some good football for us in the upcoming years. Definitely. Definitely, Rutgers is getting back on the map, landing big-name recruits. Of course, this is the Shiano effect that we talk about. Um, just having that brand-name coach and having a guy like Shiano that had so much success here from 01 to 11, now that he's back and now the big-name recruits are coming in, uh, there's excitement regarding Jacob Allen, there's excitement regarding Wimsat. There's just lots of excitement regarding these different recruits. And as the Scarlet Knights kind of get back on the map, you know, they picked up a win in the Big Ten last year, which they hadn't won a Big Ten game since 2017, and they won that opener versus Michigan State. So as the program kind of gets back on the map, gets out of the cellar, because they were made fun of. They definitely, the program here, was made fun of by outsiders, saying, oh, it's a terrible team. Oh, they shouldn't be in the Big Ten. Oh, they shouldn't. They're the worst Power Five team. Rutgers is getting back into the swing of things, and as more recruits come, you know, we're going to look back and, and, you know, we look back at, at last season as kind of a small victory, but but that was still three and six, still a losing record. So as the program starts to turn around, hopefully you start to get winning seasons. Hopefully you start to make bowl games. But that th that process to get back to that point is slow. It takes time. And landing recruits like this, and obviously the recruit has not been landed, as Dylan said, it's, you know, it's a crystal ball. But as that stuff happens over time and it builds over years, that's kind of how you build the program brand name. 
And this is just a slow step. We're, we're watching the process right now. It started when Shiano got hired, um, you know, a little over a year ago. I think it was December 2019 when the Rutgers. hiring occurred. Yes, yes. Belichick indeed yes. is right when he says big day for Rutgers. I'm going to say it again. Big day for Rutgers. Because that's just – if what, what Shiano has been doing is just phenomenal so far. I'll let you keep going, Doug, but just I had to put that in there. No, nah, no. Nah, I, I, I think, you know, I kind of just said – what I feel, and I think you bring up a good point with the 24-7 giving me um, crystal ball, right? So it's just, it's a turning point. I don't want to say this is the turning point, but a, it's a transition period as we build build towards success again, and we're in that transition right now. So it, it when we look back on things, we'll kind of see, hopefully, that this period, if it leads to success, we'll know that it's building now. Yeah, just to go off for the future, you know, that the Scarlet-White game, you know, we saw those players play in that game. You know, Dylan and I were on the call for that. Doug was on Prod, and yeah. just seeing that game, you know, it was, you know, just great to see how Rutgers is going to be for the next couple of years, and especially with fans coming in the building, how big it's going to be. Yeah, and, and Christian, um, when we were calling that game, too, you were telling me that you you used to go to school with Jacob Allen. I I don't know yep. which school it was at, but you know, give me a little insight on you know Jacob Allen. I don't know if you've ever seen him you know play football because I know you said you used to call games in high school too. So I'm sure you saw some firsthand experience there. What 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 are what will he bring to the table as an offensive tackle? Yeah, he's you know he's growing. He's been growing since freshman year. Freshman year he came in. Remember when? He first started playing. You know, he was a big kid. He automatic starter on our team. Even we had a. There's some big linemen. John Olmstead was a five-star in New Jersey, and he went to Notre Dame. Now he's at Lafayette. But, you know, Jacob was on his right side, I believe, and, you know, he just got coached a lot. He progressed over his time, then ended up transferring after junior year, went over to the Hunt School. You know, just he's a good kid, very open to, you know, criticism, and, you know, he's going to be a great with Shiano, just going to help him out really progresses career. He's just going to get bigger and bigger, and he's going to be a great lineman for us coming up. Yeah, and, and something else I, I wanted to mention, too, for the listeners out there, I, I mentioned that these guys are the best players in their state, but to kind of rank them from the position standpoint, Gavin Wimsat is ranked 10th overall, and Jacob Allen is ranked 11th. So, you know, we got the number one guys in the state, but these guys are also top 10 talents around the nation from this position. So, Greg Schiano has brought in, as I pointed out, he's brought in four, five, five, five four stars. Excuse me, that'll be immediate impacts for this football team come twenty twenty two. And plus, with the news from Moses Walker, who's another linebacker that we can use, and you know the linebacking core has been kind of a thing for Rutgers. Whether the team has been bad or good, we've always seemed to have a, a good linebacking core over the years. We have, you know, we've had Fadakasi now, Tyshawn Fogg, like those guys are stapled linebackers and if you look at some of the guys in the NFL that are there from like you know the Ash era and the teams that outside of the Shiano era back in the day there aren't that many but the majority of them come from the defensive side of the football so looking at it from that uh, from that kind of point of view it just shows you that if anything Rutgers has been good at kind of developing talent defensively um, and being able to get defensive talent as well um, so you know, it's very promising to see Shiano land a line a four-star linebacker at that spot and getting a crystal ball for yet another four-star linebacker um, from New York. So 
Hopefully they can come in at 2022 and kind of fill in the shoes of Fadakasi and guys like Tyshawn Fogg and Maddox Williams. Um, you know, Yorkers fans, though, we're talking a lot about these guys as if they're going to be, you know, the best of the best. But don't expect too much the first year. Don't forget, these guys will be freshmen. They are four-star recruits, but they will be freshmen come 2022. I say around 2023 or 2024, you'll really start to see these guys be more developed and you'll see this team be better overall. Plus, I'm also banking on Shiano being able to recruit guys past that year as well and have similar recruiting classes as to 2022 going in the future to build around these guys when they're more developed. Um, so definitely a good sign for Rutgers uh, going forward. The 2021 class, guys, though, I, I want to mention this really quickly. It's not as good. It's it's ranked 41st in the nation, which isn't terrible, all things considered, with COVID and the fact that Shiano kind of only had a couple months to really recruit guys, you know, since he was brought in in December. And I believe the recruiting period ends around February or March. So he really didn't have that much time to recruit guys for 2021. Uh, and with COVID, with no in-person meetings, no in-person like tours of the campus, the football uh, facilities, the stadium, nothing like that, it was definitely hard for for not just uh, Rutgers and Shiano, but for other other programs across the nation to kind of recruit with COVID and all that stuff. But now, with the restrictions starting to be loosened up, with you know the mask stuff starting to go away, and you know more in-person activities, guys like Gavin Wimsat, Jacob Allen, and for people going forward on that on that commit list, you know, they've been able to come see the school. And so it was a bit easier for Shiano to recruit these guys. So don't expect the team to be, you know, the real deal this year or next year, or maybe even 2022, but come 2023 or 2024, I expect this team with the talent that they have and I'm and banking on Shiano to, to recruit this team similar to, to the 2022 uh, recruiting class, expect this team to be, uh, you know, a team that can, you know, go to a bowl game every year or, or even a little bit more than that, whatever you guys expect. It's been, Rutgers football has been down in the dumps for years now, ever since, um, you know, the flood era. Rutgers football really hasn't been up to what it was back in the day with uh, with Shiano at the helm. So hopefully this is, the uh, you know, a step in the right direction for Rutgers. 